Hey guys, it's Amber Viola, your host of My Culty College, and welcome back to a new episode. And I have a special guest today, Jana. So thank you so much for joining me and for coming on here to tell your story. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. So um, we've never met, but we did attend the same master's commission, correct? Yes, correct. Yes. So where are you from? So I am originally from a very small town in Illinois called Sandwich. Um, I lived there most of my life and then moved to DeKalb, which is a big college town. Everybody knows it for NIU um, and lived there a couple of years before I moved out to Rockford to attend our Kulki College. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Okay. So when you were growing up, did you hear about masters like in your area? I did a little bit. We, um, I grew up in a like mildly to moderately religious home, um, church every Sunday, Sunday school before service, Wednesday night services, um, youth group, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I do remember master's commission coming out and doing like a takeover service night um i think on a wednesday night or a sunday night i can't remember exactly but i remember them coming out and them doing worship and doing the sermon and um then having like a booth out in the lobby to kind mm -hmm. of promote and advertise to uh graduating seniors and anyone looking to go into college um and when they came out i was like probably in middle school, honestly, the first time oh, okay. I was exposed wow. to it. Um, and I know that we had them back a couple of times, but not like super frequently. So it was something I was kind of exposed to at a young age. And it just seemed very like, oh, here's a Christian college and a cool option. But it was so far away from anything I was thinking about at that point. Um, so when I was getting ready to graduate high school, I did not want to go traditional college route because I am terrible at math and just don't enjoy it. And I was yeah. like, I'm gonna have to do all the math and I don't even know what I wanna do with my life. So I don't wanna do that. What do I do? Cause I definitely wanted to, you know, move out, get on my own feet, do something. Um, and master's commission came back to my memory and I was like, oh my gosh, that's college, but they for sure don't do math. Let me go that route. It just like <laughs> seemed to make sense. Um, did they push, um, did your family or kind of like the community that you were in uh, really like have an emphasis on education? Was that important? Um, I mean, my family for sure wanted me to do college if it was something that I was at all interested in, um, because at the time, no one in my family had graduated from college. Um, so any sort of further education past high school was already more than anyone in my family had done up until that okay. point. Uh, yeah. So they were excited that I was open to college of some degree. And then because my family was decently religious going to a Christian college, they were like, oh my gosh, you're going to college and you're doing it for the Lord. You're the best person we've ever met. Like they just were so excited and bragged about me to everybody. And I was right. like- So I they just... didn't really know what it was though. No. And I honestly okay. don't know that I fully understood either. Like you go to their website, you get the like info packet they send you, you do your phone calls and interviews and whatever. Um, and you get a degree of what you're going to experience. But I don't think anyone fully knows what you're getting yourself into until you're there, unless you know someone who's gone through right. the program and giving you the lowdown. So um, what did you kind of think it would be like? Like, did you have kind of an idea? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely knew we'd be doing 
sit down classes, um, but that the emphasis would be more on um, like serving the church and getting hands on experience. They really kind of harped on that side of it in all of the material that I got and um, like in my phone calls with admissions and um, stuff like that, which sounded right up my alley because I, I did well in school, but it wasn't something that I necessarily loved. And I grew up, like I said, in church and was pretty heavily involved. So like serving was something that was familiar to me and that I enjoyed doing. So I was like, this sounds great. Like I'm checking off the college checklist, but I'm basically just giving my time, getting hands-on experience, learning all the different areas that go into serving in a church and what ministry is. And then I can decide if that's something I want to maybe pursue one day as a career or if it's just going to be a part of my life and I'm going to, you know, always be involved in a church and serve, but then go on to do a quote unquote real world job um, or what have you. So I didn't necessarily go into it thinking of it as like a gap year program per se, but it felt very like, I don't know exactly what I'm doing with my life long term. This is a good stepping stone for me to figure out what options are out there and see what I like and what I don't like. And then I can decide from yeah. there if that makes I sense. I found a lot of people didn't want to go to college or felt like they weren't maybe smart enough mm-hmm. to go to college. And in just in the evangelical communities I was in, secondary education wasn't really pushed as much um, yeah. as like doing something to serve the Lord or anything like that. So a totally. lot of people had looked at that more as their only kind of thing that they wanted to do or parents said okay you know you'll go to college but you have to go to a christian college right which very much then limits your because that's a lot of kids we got from masters were going could only go to a christian college right so, yeah and yeah. they like didn't want to pay the tuition of going to like right. a private christian accredited college for sure so you did you live as strict then as you would be once you got to master's I did for the most part, honestly, like um, going to master's my first year was not that much of like a culture shock or um, like it didn't feel super strict to not listen to secular music and not watch R-rated movies and not talk to boys. Like that was something that already kind of was an semi-unspoken standard in my circle. Um, I listened to secular music when I got my driver's license, so I would, like, turn on the radio, but it wasn't something that was, like, a huge part of my... No, yeah, so it was, like, an easy switch to be like, okay, well, I just will make sure that my iPod just has Christian music on it. I listened to that already. It's fine. Um, And I, I mean, I had watched some R-rated movies, but it wasn't anything that was, like, a huge change from my lifestyle. Um, So that was, seemed really normal to me. And Mm -hmm. now looking back, um, they kind of, they set it up to be like, we're going to put these guardrails up, right? And you, um, they talked about molding concrete. Like when you mold concrete, you have to put wood up in the shape that you want it to be until it sets. And then when you remove the mold, you have the shape that you want. So by setting up these guardrails of, you know, being, the holiest version that you can be and taking out all these distractions and whatever at the end of the year when we remove those guardrails and you have the freedom to do those things you're still going to be the shape that you wanted to be um so it just sounded like oh my gosh yeah that sounds 
totally normal. Like, of course I want to be holy and that's why I came here. So I'll do whatever you say. Like, I didn't really question it at all. Um, Mm -hmm. But now looking back, I'm like, wow, when you just like remove absolutely everything and don't teach anyone how to maybe have your own filter and decide what your convictions are personally and what you want to hold yourself to. Information. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like secular music is not like, bad, yeah. but if we're listening to like F bombs every two seconds while we're pulling into youth group, probably not awesome. But right. like it just looking back, I'm like, wow, you can't you can't just well, remove everything and not explain like they to people. Function in normal yes. places. It's like, well, what if I'm at work and my job is playing secular music? Right. Yeah. It's like, it well, was... you you should be yeah. able to still do your job. Like totally. it's, it's it makes you feel like you're in this bubble and anything outside of the bubble is just automatically wrong and or bad. And that's just not how the world works. Right. Um, so, I mean, I have so my once own you feelings were there, on that. Once you were there, how did you start to find it? Was there a point where you kind of was like, oh, this isn't exactly like how I thought it would be? Or were you just kind of like, I'm not sure how I feel about this? Like, how did you find it? Sure. Um, I mean, most of the year, I honestly was like, yep, this is harder than I thought, but this is what I signed up for. I'm yeah. enjoying it. Um, it was so, it just wasn't Wait, okay, different. Okay, sidebar with that, the whole yeah. you signed up for it thing, because that would go through my head. And I and for me, now that I look back, sometimes I, I ignored things because I was like, well, I signed up for this, so I have to just keep going, no totally. matter like, and I wouldn't even let myself think about it. Yeah. Did you ever feel like, was that something that you noticed? Yeah. I mean, I didn't notice it in the moment, but I can definitely see looking back moments where I was like, wow, you didn't make boot camp week sound quite this intense when you were trying to get me to come here. I hate this, but (laughs) everyone else is doing it and I trust all of you people and uh, I want to be like you people. So I guess I'm just going to suck it up and do it. And that was another thing that like, you feel isolated and you feel like I'm the only one who thinks that this is more intense than what I thought was going to happen. So I just need to keep my mouth shut, align myself to what's happening and like suck it up and take one for the team until I feel good about it all of a sudden. Um, But in the moment, like I can't necessarily say that until at least three quarters of the year in that I had big red flags where I was like, well, wait a minute. Like I was pretty I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was learning all these things, which, like, I did definitely learn things. I don't fully regret my time going there. I, like, my best friends that I still have in my life almost 15 years later are all from Master's Commission. So, like, there are wonderful things that came out of it. But looking back, there's so many things that I'm like, I wouldn't put my kids through an experience like that at all. Um, And it just... I don't know. It just was so culty. Like it's not, <laughs> it's, I love the word culty for it. Cause you're like, can we really call it a cult? Like kind of, but not really. So it's just like a little culty. Like there's what things about it that you're like. That you said that you started to see red flags. So like what was kind of your first red flag that came? Yeah. Up? Yeah. So I remember um, probably about halfway three quarters of the way through the year really realizing that like not everyone was getting the same amount of attention from staff like there were people who had come from 
really non-religious backgrounds who like had to quit drinking and smoking and dating and all this stuff when they came and they were getting a ton of attention from staff because they were the like quote unquote bad kids and like needed fixing right and then there's the kids who are like the a-list stars of the program like these are the people we always pick to go on trips and we always pick them to speak and we're going to really pour into them because they fit the mold of like what we want in leadership and um on the worship team or like whatever and then there was a group in the middle uh that i fell into where like we weren't not getting attention like if something was going on staff was there for us but i didn't have like staff coming to me to mentor me which is something that i thought was going to happen a little more regularly um and they like they set it up so that you have second years and third years to do that with you right you've got people that you're with the whole year in your accountability cells and your second year in your apartments and like there's things in place so that you aren't like wow everyone always seemed to flock to the same people and hung out with the same people and then you definitely were kind of just left off on your own and then it would end up looking like you were doing that on purpose almost right yeah when it's like no just nobody's talking to me nobody's picking me to do these things and now you guys think I'm over here by myself because I want to be when I want to be included yeah and you don't really know what to do (laughs) I had staff approach me I think it was in it might have been in one of my reviews because they did those 360 reviews. I, I assume that you had them because I think you were just a couple years ahead of me. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if it was a 360 review or if it just was a, it was with a support staff member who I was um, like in a youth group leadership role with. Um, so it might just have been her deciding that she was going to mentor me through this thing that she saw. I can't remember if it was of her own accord or a formal like review. Um, but she was like, you have like two friends. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm friends with everybody, but I have like a couple really close friends. Yeah. What are you talking about? And she was like, I just need you to like branch out more and make friends with more people. And um, like, I want you to every day this week find someone new that you haven't really talked to or built a relationship with and have lunch with them and then like write down things that you learned about them and what you talked about and then we'll touch base after and I want you to be able to tell me all these things and I was like did you just give me homework to (laughs) make friends that I like don't have a natural connection with necessarily like I'm fine with getting to know new people but it just felt so strange that I was like what is the problem if I have a couple really close friends And then I'm also friendly with other people because that's how my friendship circle was before. Like even in my church, it was a small church. So there was a big group of people, but I had my like three people that were my best friends, you know? So it didn't seem weird to me, but they really focused on like, we think you're just really codependent in your relationships. Um, And they actually approached one of my best friends who's still oh one gosh. of my best friends they're um, always meddling with somebody's friendships I know, like I they know. made it such a thing that now so then any reaction that you're gonna have right yep. is gonna look like you're 
being disobedient or being difficult or like trying to hold on to something when you're reacting to something that's kind of out of nowhere and weird and totally but they don't give you any room to kind of feel that way no yeah so they had approached my friend um and talked to her about our friendship and we're like we just really think you guys are codependent and you need to take a break um and they're like we spent a lot of time together for sure but i don't think that we were codependent at all uh we just were best friends so we spent a lot of time together and if we were in the same track we would you know go to track together and we lived a couple apartments away from each other so we saw each other all the time and we'd ride together and go to lunch breaks together and whatever um so they like forced us into taking a friendship break um and it was not until recently that we actually were talking about it and I was like do you think they thought we loved each other like it never hit me until now I'm like do you think they thought we were lesbians because well, I, I can't think of a normal way to like yeah if you thought just, that because that seems like an underlying issue with them yeah with, yeah I don't which, know if you listen to some of the other episodes with um yes I have uh, so that so I was wondering that when you were saying I was like I wonder if they thought they were like lesbians and that's right no one ever came out and said it no one ever asked either of us if that was something that we quote unquote struggle with which neither of us are like we're both extremely straight nothing against people who love the same sex like I'm fine with whatever but I just didn't ever cross my mind until recently but I was like they might have thought we were gay and wanted to be lovers and I (laughs) which if that's the case just come out and say like are y'all hooking up and I'd be like oh my gosh no we just spend a lot of time together um but yeah it just was a weird situation because they like forced us to take a break but no one fully explained why why they thought we were codependent and why it was good for us to take a break and it just felt really strange to me and like I'm from a small town I came to this like pretty big city compared to where I'm from, like little farm town coming to a bigger city. And I've made a friend who like, I can talk about what I'm going through and what I'm learning and like the things that I'm struggling with. And like, we had a really immediate connection and just hit it off right away. And like I said, we're still friends to this day. We talk every day. Um, She just was out here to spend a few days with me after my grandfather passed. Like she is a sister level friend. Um, And it's just so weird to me that they would see our friendship and go, oh, this must be bad when it clearly to me has been so wonderful. Um, So I just, that was a big red flag that I like, I don't think at the time I thought of it as a red flag per se, but it just was this thing that I was like, but why though? And like, yeah. no one would explain yeah. it at all. It just was, you need to take a break. You need to pray about it, blah, blah, blah. And then we still <laughs> ended up being friends again. And no one ever talked about it after that. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know what that was, but I'm sorry so I have was, a friend. You said this was toward like the middle towards the tail end of your first year. Yeah. So as you were there, were you thinking about that you wanted to be able to come back? Um, You wanted to be there for another year or were you kind of like ready to go home no I for sure was like bought in wanted to come back I if I could have done the typical first year second year third year support staff like the progression that is like seems like the thing you want to attain and like Mm -hmm. the cool route to go at that point in time I for sure would have wanted to do all of that um 
they ended up actually switching the program a little bit. So I was there the last year that it was known as Master's Commission before they switched it to um, more of a gap year program and really changed some things up. So I didn't have the ability to go beyond a second year. Um, but I for sure was like, I want to come back. I'm in it to win it. Like, I'm not done. I have no desire to go home and not come back. Like, I for sure want to be here for a second year. I was a million percent bought in. So one of the things that you brought up that I realized that we hadn't touched on just in this series yet either was a thing called tracks. So throughout the day, there were different areas of study that you could choose to do when you first got there. So if you wanted to become like a youth pastor or work in children's ministry, you could do like um, a children's track or like a youth pastor track or a music track. And those things were just kind of more along the lines of like what area of study you wanted to be in. There's people who didn't really know what they wanted to do. So they would kind of just pick whatever, kind of be assigned to something. But that was something that was a way for you to kind of get more, I guess, hands-on training with people who were in that field of study that you kind of wanted to do that. So I just wanted to let you guys know that information really quick. (laughs) Um, So since they had changed the program after your first year, were you able to then, like, what did they do with the people that were there? So um, I got a little ahead of myself with that because I did (laughs) actually come back for another year. Um, However, I was invited to come back again as a first year, not as a second year student. So um, I had two years of time there, but both were spent technically as a first year student in all of the first year classes. And um, so I did not progress with my first year class who all came back as second year So why did they have you come back as a first year so at the time um i remember getting my letter back i'm sure you remember this whole phenomenon Um, but just to give a brief explanation um so at the end of the year towards the end of the year they have 360 reviews which you've had a couple other times throughout the year but this is your big one at the end to see you know what all have you learned how have you grown do you want to come back what does that maybe look like um or do you not want to come back what are you doing instead what have you so i had my 360 review and like i said i was bought in i was like i'm i'm coming back this is where i need to be i'm like so committed to the this place and the vision and the mission i definitely want to do another year and continue to learn and take those classes and you know just kind of move up in the program um so in your 360 review when they find that out they also kind of go through like i said what you've learned how you've grown um one of the big things that they hit on was what are your quiet times look like um and i remember specifically that portion of my review was like a big portion of our hour that we spent together um And I was like, I mean, every day they're different. Sometimes I read the Bible and pray and journal. Sometimes I just pray for the whole hour. Sometimes I just journal for the whole hour. Sometimes I just read my Bible. Sometimes I read my Bible and pray, but I don't journal. Like it's just different every day, but here's all the things I'm learning and whatever. Um, But she like really, the staff member that did my 360 really spent a lot of time on asking questions about what my quiet times look like, which I was like, well, that's kind of strange because that's like an hour in our day and everybody does it, but okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and then they 
go off as staff members and pray about it and decide who's going to be accepted back and who's not and all of this. And they really do make it like this whole rose ceremony from the bachelor guys. Like it's, (laughs) it's a lot. It's over the top. And it's even over the top to the point to where, like, if people don't get accepted back, like, it's kind of like a fucked up situation because yes. because they make it so big. So it's not just like you're, you know, you're applying to colleges or whatever, and you don't really know if people are coming back or not, whether they're telling you, like, this is a very big in your face, like, you got a rose, you got a, you did not get a rose something is wrong with you like it's a totally it's, it's a, a very big, big heavy production. moment yeah. yeah for sure I mean people so, are crying and like yes is yeah. it is your family there or something like it's a mess it's it's, it's <laughs> intense it's very it's intense and I don't remember a ton of like specific details about it because it was so long ago but um they would do it on chapel day which I think was Friday, but I can't honestly remember because, like I said, it's been forever ago. Oh, but I you think go into maybe chapel. your parents wrote you a letter or something. Oh, like I don't think we did that. got a letter from your parents or something like that, yeah. We didn't do that our year. They might have stopped doing that after. I don't know. I Maybe they did. I just don't remember that. But, I, I, my um, thing was, what about the people that don't have parents? That's kind of weird, guys. <laughs> right. Let's leave half of everybody out because not everyone's family structure is the same. Right. Um. But I do remember, like, you go to chapel, they have this big message and worship moment, and you know that you're going to get your letter, right? And they tell you, we're giving you your letters, don't open it now, go find a spot that's special to you or means something to you, but, like, go off on your own, read your letter, pray, journal, spend time with God, and then come back. And I don't even remember what we did when everyone came back with the rest of the day, because I just remember how awkward and terrible coming back was um so I remember I drove to um our like state park out here that people are really familiar with but Mm -hmm. I was like I want to be outside in nature so I drove out there and like put some music on and opened my letter and I remember like fully expecting to come back Uh, like it wasn't a question in my mind that I would be accepted back for a second year so I opened my letter and um you know there's some general blubbering something in the beginning and I'm just reading and like start to get a pit in my stomach because the further down I read the more I'm like this doesn't seem like the letter I thought I was going to get and then I get to a paragraph that says when praying about you coming back for a second year we didn't get a green light but we would like to offer you the opportunity to come back as a first year and then something about you know we believe in you if you want to be here. We know it's the right thing, whatever. But it was just very vague in my letter. Yeah. Um, and I do remember at the end, they were like, if you have questions, this is your staff member. They'll fill you in with more details, whatever. So then I'm like trying to digest all of that. Because I was like, well, I didn't not get accepted. And I wanted to come back. So I do get to come back. But this is really weird um, because I don't understand why or like what I did to not be able to come back as a second year to not be good enough to come back as a second year right because I had like gotten good grades throughout the year and like I met most of the things that I was supposed to do Um, and like granted I had a 5 a.m or two here and there for attendance and stuff but like for the most part I was a good student I did the things I was supposed to do Um, so I just was confused and like hurt um, because I so thought that everything was like in the bag for me coming back for a second year and then you go 
back to the church and everyone like kind of slowly trickles in and you like find your people like you want to find your roommates you want to find your best friend and I just remember walking in and I saw my best friend who we had had to take a break because we were secret lesbians but not really (laughs) um and she was like are you coming back and I was like are you coming back and she goes yeah I got accepted are you coming back and I went kind of and she was like what and I was like well here's my letter you read it because I don't even know what to say to you because it's so vague and uh she just was like I don't know what this means and I was like I don't either I'm gonna have to talk to my staff member and get some more details and she just was like well are you gonna do it and that was the first time that I was like oh I have a choice on whether or not I want to do this like it didn't even cross my mind that it was like optional to accept or not accept um and I was like I don't know because I don't know what that looks like and from my experience there had been there was one other student in our class that year who had done a first year already um but had been I think like four or five years in between when he came back like he had done the program not come back for a second year um I can't remember if he graduated or not but then you know his life was a little crazy and he felt like it hit rock bottom and he was like I just have to do this program again and they accepted him but said you got to start back over because it's been so long um and they always spun it as like something bad must have happened that he had to come do a first year again or I had heard stories about people who repeated a first year because they got caught having sex or like you know something crazy they made it sound horrible So that was another part that I was like so conflicted about because I was like, I didn't have sex with anyone. I don't do drugs. I haven't been drinking behind the apartments without anyone. Like I didn't do anything. So I'm just so confused about what's happening. Um, And at the time, getting more info was still so vague. Like they just were like, we just feel like you haven't really grasped all the concepts that we want you to grasp during a first year and that you're missing some like key things to be able to move on to a second year. And I just remember being irritated because I was like, if if you felt like I was missing something, you should have said something before now. Like you've had a whole school year, but because I was in that like middle group of people that weren't the bad kids or the all-stars, I didn't get any extra attention beyond like the base level. So if you thought that I was missing out on something, no one's, brought that up to me until now right why wouldn't you come talk to me instead of now right I've had when, when a 360 every yeah. trimester it's never come up there no one's ever approached me and said hey we feel like this little thing is missing how do we help you get there or what have you um and they still couldn't give me solid examples of like what those things were that I was missing so it just all still was so vague um so I was like mad that no one had said something before now because I'm totally the type of person that's like constructive criticism sucks, but I'll take it and I'll adjust and I'll do better. Like I yeah, want and to at do least not like a have job. just like a surprise. Yes, totally. Um, so I was like, I don't think I've done anything that would make them think I wouldn't change something if it was wrong, but no one ever brought it up to me and I didn't know that I was missing these big things they say I'm missing but no one can tell me what they are I feel like they were just making up stuff I have no idea what the like (laughs) real issue is if you ask any of the staff members who are involved now they would tell you they don't remember either um because I have actually 
another one of my best friends who I met during my second first year there. So surprise, surprise, I came back. Um, but my other best friend a handful of years ago talked directly to the like the staff member who was in charge of making those decisions. And they were like, oh, I honestly can't remember why we did that to that poor girl. <laughs> and I was like, are you? I don't know if that makes me? it even, I don't, that's so I know. bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, I think it's supposed to make it better, but it feels like it makes it worse. Right. It just, exactly. Exactly. It put me through such a weird roller coaster of emotions. And I mean, everyone then, like, I got all this weird attention all of a sudden because it started to trickle through that, like, you knew who was coming back and who wasn't. And it's just right. like this little gossip mill that everyone finds out. Right. And then everyone's finding out that I can only come back as a first year. And then everyone's like, why? What did she do? And I'm like, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. <laughs> like, yeah, I wish yeah. I had a big dramatic story to tell you, but I don't. I just know that my option is I come back as a first year or I don't come back. And I don't want to go back home and move back in with my mom. And I don't even know how to start a life with like getting an apartment, getting a job, going to college. Maybe like that all seems so overwhelming and not like the road I want to take. So I guess I'm coming back. Right. Um, and there was so once one... you once you decided and you kind of came back, was there any like parallels, do you think, to or differences that you saw between your first year and your second first year? You know, it felt pretty similar. Um my experience was strange because they told me I couldn't come back as a second year. Um, but they put me in the role of a second year in an apartment. So I had four other first years with me, but I was considered the second year of the apartment, which is kind of like an RA, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I think you've talked about it in past episodes, but um, you're supposed to kind of take them under your wing and guide them and teach them about what's coming. So like, I could do that because I knew what to expect and what was coming. And like, I knew what was up because I had done it before, but I was doing it with them. So it just was a very strange how was it like, like in. in your friendship, you know, that you had with other people who are first years and now you're not with them? Yeah, it was, it was strange for me. I don't think like none of my friends who came back as second years acted like anything was strange, but you just naturally don't spend as much time together because second years are in different classes. They come earlier. They go on a trip to Washington, D.C. They, um, are in like one dedicated track the whole year where first years are rotating through tracks every trimester. So it just you felt... know that bus trip girl to DC from Illinois though, that was painful. Yeah. I there's part <laughs> of me who's like, oh man, I wish I could have gone on that trip with my friends because I've of course seen pictures and heard stories. But also there's a big part of me that's like, I think I would have murdered someone in that. Oh bus. man, so I'm had a kind blast. of glad. Oh, I don't know. That's not not my jam. But I was in my own little like me and um they called a couple of me and my friends the mean girls. And <laughs> we were like in our own little little world. Like we it. were I was like, I'm not talking to none of these crazy people. Right. <laughs> I don't like y'all in Illinois. I definitely don't like you in DC. <laughs> right. So funny. Yeah, I definitely like felt strange knowing that yeah. like and my friends were texting me, you know, and like sending me pictures and they're in DC and I'm not and it just was a weird dynamic 
Um, but like none of my friends made me feel weird. It just was like internally weird for me to be like, we did life together and we're still doing life together kind of, but you get all these opportunities that I really wanted and I don't get to have. And I don't know why. <laughs> like yeah. That just was a really hard thing to wrestle with for me. Um, but I also felt like, you know, I, I felt like the Lord told me to come back. And so if this is what that looks like, it must be his plan, right? So it must be the thing I have to do because that's just kind of the attitude that you absorb when you're there is like, God has a plan. We don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it's his plan. So you just do it no matter how you feel about it, right? right? So I felt really conflicted, but also was like, but it's God's plan. So I just have to do it and something must be going to come from it for me to have to like do this weird thing and make what feels like a sacrifice and is embarrassing because like right. everyone it, knows it is very embarrassing it is everyone knows that I'm doing a second first year I don't have a good reason to tell them why but they all here think I am lying. right everyone's like oh she's just not telling us but I'm like I really truly don't like I have no idea <laughs> I have no right. idea um and there were some people who were like you know what, I give you props for doing it because that's weird and I probably wouldn't. And there were other people who probably thought I was crazy and kept it to themselves. There was one second year who at the end of my first first year was like, please don't freaking do that. Like, screw all these people. They're crazy. <laughs> Absolutely do not come back. Um, but I, I did and it is what it is. And again, I gained some of my best friends in the whole world from going back that were new first years with me. So like, I don't regret the things that came from it, but there is part of me that still is like, I wish I would have seen how absolutely ridiculous that situation was and yeah. just walked away right. and been like, you can't give me a good reason. I don't have a good reason to give you my free labor. See ya, good luck, have a nice right. life. So what was the kind of decision? I know the program changed and things like that, but at the end, of your second first year, what was, what made you kind of be like, um, this is a mess? Yeah. Um, so they brought us all into a room and I want to say that it was for split off time, which is they would bring us all in and everyone got assigned to like a little task or to a, a staff member to help them with things or whatever. It just was like, volunteer party time basically but they assigned <laughs> you to something um but they would always do announcements at the beginning of it right so they brought us into a room and we're like we have an announcement and that always like they even make that into like this weird stressful moment everything's a moment and a big deal when i'm like you're creating so much stress that's unnecessary but here we go yeah it's um, a build up everything yes. is so emotionally charged yes and there was always this emotional build up to things that didn't need it and no. it would literally be like a, like almost like a serotonin boost. Yes. You know what I mean? And then you'd get all the way up there and get hyped. And then it's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're so stressed out. And yeah. And it, it would could literally be... be someone got dismissed and yeah. it's this big dramatic situation. Or it could be, hey, we need you all to come to the church tomorrow at nine to help volunteer cleaning a room. Like it could be literally anything. And right. you just never knew. And now looking back, I can be like, oh, you just wanted to make sure that we knew that you had all the power because right. you guys knew something we didn't know. And you were going to tell us how and when you wanted to. Um, and it's just so unnecessary. Like it, I could do a whole podcast just on that for sure. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, 
but they brought us into a room and um they were like we've got something to talk to you guys about and it's gonna be hard to hear um but it's exciting and we feel like it's what god is leading us to do so this is what's happening um and they had done that at the end of our my first first year as well they told us that a master's commission from texas was closing and going to like merge with us so we got a lot of students who had been accepted to that location and then they had the opportunity to come up to illinois instead of texas if they wanted to or to find another master's to attend if they wanted so we had had this like big moment at the end of my first first year and then it felt like another really big moment like that at the end of my second first year so i was like what masters is merging with us now like it's just gonna be a party um and at the time even though my first or my second first year i'm losing track of my first years um <laughs> my second first year had been like a decent experience but it had been weird the whole time because it just was a weird situation i still wasn't at the point where i was like screw you people i'm out like if i had the opportunity to come back as a second year after that i would have at that point um but they sat us down and they were like we're changing the program uh it's no longer going to be master's commission it's going to be called focus one and it's going to be a gap year program so the idea is people graduate high school they come here for a year to serve and get experience but the idea is they only come for a year and then they go off and go to an accredited college or go off into the world to get a job or like go off and become a pastor or whatever the thing is the idea is that they come in for a year and they leave and we want to quote unquote, make disciples instead of harboring, you know, 200 kids in this cycle of first, second, third year support staff, staff, church staff, what have you. Um, So I, my first reaction and my best friend was sitting next to me at the time who was the second year. um, But my first reaction was, am I going to have to do another fucking first year? (laughs) (laughs) I just was like, what are you people telling me? Because <laughs> I like, I want to come back. And if it's, if that's what it looks like, then sure. Why the hell not? I've done this already. And this was weird. So cool. Let's go for a third. Third time's a charm. Um, but then they were like, so no one can come back. Is yeah. The vibe, right? Because um, you have either completed a first year and you don't need to do another first year, which I'm like, really? Come again? Say that for the people in the back? Yeah. Um, what did I just do? Um, or like you're a second year, a third year, a support staff member, you're not coming back for what this new program is going to be. Um, so the options essentially were you can graduate and then go off and do something else, whatever that looks like, or you could intern with the church potentially, or, you know, whatever, but you're not, this is no longer the program that you've known. It's going to be something different. So no one here will be involved in any capacity under support staff and even support staff I think at that time was getting dwindled majorly down um, because they just were going to have less students so there wasn't a need for that many support staff yeah Um, so I remember that taking a lot of time to adjust to and digest that news Um, I remember a lot of people joking with me about doing a third first year which like is funny now but at the time I was like salt in the wound guys it's kind of fresh yeah um but it was also my reaction too so i totally get that everyone's mind went there um 
but yeah, they transitioned the program into something else that wasn't an option for me to come back under that umbrella of things. Um, but again, I still was all in and committed and loved that church and loved what I had been able to be a part of and felt like I was supposed to be involved in some degree. Um, so I spent a lot of my quiet time saying like, I don't know what this looks like because I can't just come back the way that I knew that I could. So you have to give me a sign if I'm supposed to do something here. It's got to be obvious and whatever it is, I'll do it. But I just like had no idea at the time what that was going to look like. Um, and then a support staff member that I was close with was like, I think you should intern with this particular person. And I was like, I think that sounds right up my alley, but she annoys the crap out of me. So no, thank you. Um, and then I saw her everywhere I was and I like had not seen her outside of Sunday mornings, hardly ever. Um, until I was like, give me a sign. And then she was everywhere that I was. And I was like, ah, man, I guess that's my sign, huh? So I applied to be her intern and got accepted and spent a year interning under the director that's of so operations funny hearing at you the time. Say that. That's a sign. And then like my brain as like a social worker and as a person who like studied psychology in college and stuff, I'm like, yeah, your brain makes connections. Mm -hmm that are going to happen. So of yes. course you're going to see her now because now you're going to notice yes. every time she's been there. You've just yes. never noticed. Just because, never noticed. Yeah. Like, it's like when you're car shopping and you're like, I really like this one car. And then you see that car yes, everywhere you, see it you go. Every single place, right. It's not a sign from God. It's just right. the way our brain works. <laughs> it was like hearing you say that just like, so I was like, wow, so many yes. times I, I thought that. And mm -hmm. now in uh, looking back at it, I'm like, that is literally not, that's not it at all. No, no, not at all. It's just how our brain functions. Yep, yeah. Um, so I, long story short, did an internship for a year um, under the director of operations, which was just a lot of like admin work and running errands and um, quote unquote, making things happen. And um, a lot of help with, the women's conference that they put on because she was heavily involved with that. Um, and I didn't have like a terrible experience with that outside of we could talk about how little they pay their interns for how much work you're doing and like all of the HR nightmares that come from that place. Um, but generally speaking, I enjoyed my time one of my best friends interned in another department. So we spent a lot of time together and really got close and had some of the best memories that we still talk about today yeah. come from that year of interning. How much um, did they pay you guys at the church? You know, I think that it was, it was either 50 or $75 every two weeks. One oh. of those two, um, neither of which is enough, but yeah. we did get to live in the apartments <laughs> for free. So yeah. free housing, we didn't have to pay utilities. So that is a huge chunk of money that you're saving essentially um but, but even food, and, food gas. and gas because you're expected to drive your car all over yeah. the place yep. and just all getting over all Toilet over breeze. the place everywhere yeah. um and just getting to and from the place that you're working takes gas obviously um 
and the amount of hours that you spend in that place. If you like do the math on even the free housing and utilities plus the little bit of paycheck, it doesn't even come close to anything livable. So if you were gonna intern, you either had to have family or friends who could help you, or you had to like drum up donations to even just survive basically. Um, and I was fortunate enough that my family had paid my tuition both of my years in master's commission and helped me pay whatever I didn't fundraise for both of my missions trips and helped me with extra cash during my internship. I had a lot of support from my grandparents. Um, so I didn't have to stress about money uh -huh. really, um, even though they did kind of want me to try to like stretch out my paycheck as much as I could and not rely on getting money from them. They knew that that math didn't math and so yeah, they would yeah. <laughs> come up and buy me groceries and, you know, put money into my checking account and stuff to help me out. So I So was what's very crazy lucky. though is so many people didn't have that. So yes. like what I want you guys uh, out there who are listening to really understand is like, if you didn't have somebody helping you, literally putting money in your account, then you had just that. That was it. And if that was out, you were didn't eat. Like somebody else hooked you up. If you didn't have extra money to get tampons, you did not have tampons. Yeah. Like I yeah. know people who would be scrounging around, going door to door, asking people for extra tampons because they didn't have money to buy any. Like this is, but you're living in church, you're serving but that's what you're doing kind of on the side, trying to survive and trying to yes, do this. Absolutely. And like in master's commission, you got a weekly stipend or allowance or whatever, which came out of your tuition, but they held on to it and gave it to you weekly. And it was a whole $22, yep. which a lot of people tithed on because that was the holy thing to do. So um, then you tithed I, on that $22, y'all. Yeah, you got 20 <laughs> bucks left. Um, I will proudly say I did not tithe because $22 was only $22 and it was coming out of tuition that my grandparents paid and they had tithed on all of their income. So I was like, I don't need to double tithe. I'm not that holy. It's going to be okay. Um, but $22 a week, if you don't have anything extra, is not enough to feed you for a week. There, mm -hmm. There's no way. Even if you get ramen, like there's just no way. And the things that you're doing in that place are so physically taxing sometimes that like you need to have the energy to do it but you don't have the groceries to eat to give you the energy to do that so people are just running ragged all the time and getting sick all the time and yes. you can only have three sick days in a trimester so you better still come when you're sick mm -hmm. or you're gonna have a 5 a.m and have to go clean a gross room in the basement of the church or run a mile or whatever punishment they decide you need to have for going over your three allotted sick days it's just this like vicious cycle of insanity and like nothing about it is the real world and I understand that like there's a little bit of the structure of it that just isn't going to look like the real world because it's a college and a mentorship program and a hands-on serving opportunity and whatever but there's just no sense of real world at any point in the whole experience. There's most of the staff who were involved in master's commission, most of the staff from my knowledge that are still on staff at the church currently haven't had jobs outside of a church ever. Yeah, so they don't yeah. know what the real world is mm -hmm. like and they just make it. They seem didn't like go to college. They didn't. Yeah. yeah. They just went through this program, if even that, and then got right. a job in the church because they 
were the chosen ones and people liked them and they whatever um so there's just no sense of oh my gosh yeah 22 dollars a week isn't enough and we've been giving students 22 dollars a week for the entirety of master's commission which started in the early 90s and now it's the 2000s and cost of living has gone up and inflation and all those things it just is well this is what you get and you should tie it on it to be holy and then if you have enough faith god will stretch your 20 dollars to provide everything right. you need and like we had a lot have of an argument staff yes. members who lived with their parents still and yeah. staff members whose parents still supported them and so it's kind of like well if you don't have that then what are you supposed to do so you're supposed to be over here making these decisions yeah. and when you're trying to take in account your financial situation it's like well you have to trust in god I understand that, but God gave me a brain in my head to where exactly. I'm looking at a situation and saying that this isn't logical. It's not going to add up. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it was this sense of you, you just have to have faith and God will provide. And then if God doesn't provide, you clearly didn't have enough faith or you didn't tithe when you were supposed to, or you did something wrong. When a lot of it really is just the math isn't gonna math like no matter yeah. how much faith you have and we can argue for faith all day it can be a great thing totally understand part of that but it just is such an unrealistic expectation that's put on people coming from people who aren't in that same situation who haven't been in that same situation they're coming from staff members whose family did pay their way and always put money in their account and they never struggled to mm -hmm. eat throughout their week at master's commission so there there's just... people who were dumpster diving and then they got mad and and they said that people weren't allowed to do that again yeah and you know it's like okay well you have people dumpster diving instead of saying damn we have people dumpster diving it was like you guys can't do that it's making us right. look bad not right. maybe people are hungry right yeah, maybe people are hungry and we need to adjust how we do things. And you could even adjust tuition to still give us extra money per week and it comes out of our pocket. It doesn't necessarily have to come out of your pocket directly, but just look at it and go, this isn't realistic. This isn't the focus we want people to have while they're here. And it's taking up a huge chunk of their brain space and stressing them out. So let's take that obstacle out of it. It just, there's no... I don't want to say there is no reality because the program is different now and I can't speak for what it is today. But when I was involved, there was just such an emphasis on have faith and God will take care of you and such a lack of reality in a lot of situations that were something that could have been helped or controlled by staff. And there are people who went home because of money that didn't have to, like we were fundraising all the time and they told yeah. us it was tuition money all the time and i never saw it because my tuition was paid so they made it sound like if you do this fundraising it's going into the tuition pot to help people who right. can't yeah. pay but yeah. i still saw so many of my classmates go home and it just never fully made sense and now looking back i'm like oh we fundraise to pay staff salaries i'm sure mm -hmm. um but of course they would never tell us that um but it just, it never made sense to me that for being such a Christian-based, Jesus-focused program, if that's what they're going to say, that the people in the program got treated so differently than the people that I was reading about in the Bible who were affected by Jesus and his ministry. Like, mm. it just doesn't make sense to me that Jesus met the woman at the well and said, 
he who is without sin cast the first stone. I know that she's not living the way she should, but neither are you guys when you pretend to be holy. So if he any of you are perfect. You didn't have her up there talking about, okay, lady, now I need you to tell me every single thing wrong you've ever done in your life in front of everyone. Right. Right. He just said, yeah, I get that she's not living the way that we should, but you guys are also fucked up. So like, if we're really going to go there, you want to tell all your stories. But then I had to sit and watch either students who messed up, quote unquote, messed up, get in front of everybody and tell us what they did wrong or staff Mm -hmm. members would do it after they got kicked out of the program and made it this like crazy shameful thing. And they were then like, basically excommunicated it was yeah like you weren't supposed to talk to them they messed up if you talk to them you're gonna go down the same path and it just never lined up with the things that like I already had known about Jesus and the things that I was reading and learning about him it just is so opposite um even now looking at it I'm like there's so many stories in the bible that I'm like this is not what that place was and Again, I can't speak to what it is currently because I'm not involved. I hope that a lot of things have changed. Um, But it just was so, it was so hypocritical. And that's what breaks my heart so much is that so many people went into that place really wanting to have a great experience and learn more about God and learn more about the Bible and have real life change. And some of that did happen. I don't want to discount the good things that came out of that place there are people who had awesome experiences there's parts of my experience that i really do value and um like i said some of my best friends i gained from being involved there in different capacities so i'm thankful for that but there's just so many wounded people and like there's just dead bodies everywhere and no one seems to care in a place where they say that they're caring about their community and they love God, they love people, they love life, but they've treated so many people like absolute garbage. Right. So um, as we kind of come to the end of this episode, what would you say to the people who are still healing and who were treated like garbage? And, um, you know, we've seen so many people post about masters online. We've had so many conversations with people and we know that, there's just so many people who are still so broken um, and who were beaten down and who never really fully recovered from that. So, you know, what would you say to them before we kind of end? First off, get therapy to some degree, if you can, if that's available to you and you have the resources. Um, I just honestly have gotten into therapy this year on a regular basis and really have started diving into some of the trauma and things that I've experienced from my time in masters and just with the church in general, even before that, um, because I was so scared to kind of bring it all up. I just have put it off for so long and have dabbled here and there, but just always when things get too real, have been like, Nope, I'm out. Thanks so much. Um, but getting a therapist who understands, where you're at currently and the like can accept the things that you've experienced and validate those experiences for you and help you walk through processing them is mm. so beneficial to healing because um, for so long I think so many people were invalidated by like if you've approached someone that was involved 
as a staff member or is currently a staff member, what I've heard from so many people is that their experience was just invalidated and they yeah. get more yeah. wounded from that. Mm-hmm. And as much as I hope that we all can get to a place where we can have healthy conversations with people who are still involved or had a great experience and don't see the perspective of others who haven't maybe had the best experience, it just, it might not happen for everybody right now, but a therapist is someone who's impartial and can look at it objectively and validate the things that you experienced and felt. Um, And that alone, even just having someone go, yeah, that was messed up is so healing. Um, So like I said, if that's a resource that's available to you, for sure, go down that road. if it feels unattainable, I am not an expert by any means, but I would be more than happy to help people search for something that they can do um, to find a therapist because um, it's been so beneficial to me. Um, and I honestly, I think just to keep talking about it with people and yeah, um, yeah. to get stories out there so people know that they're not alone and that their story doesn't have to be crazy or dramatic or this like really black and white experience there are a lot of people who have middle of the road experiences that still weren't great and that still brought trauma um and your experience is just as valid as anybody else's but we aren't going to know that until we start telling our stories to other people so know that you're not alone know that your experience is valid and that the things that happened to you were not deserved we're not okay. And quite honestly, I don't think that they are things that Jesus would have approved of if you still have a faith of some sort and still believe in God or Jesus or the Bible or, you know, a higher power of any degree. I think that the things that have come from people's bad experiences don't line up with anything that I just mentioned. Um, And so I I think it's hard for people to separate that sometimes. And I definitely have gone through that phase as well. And um, I'm still kind of just like wrestling with what exactly do I believe and what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? But the things that I know about Jesus are not the things that I experienced. So don't let that experience alone deter you from something if you really do truly believe in it. Um, Right. Yeah. No, and I, I think that I think that's so um so perfectly said. Um and I think on that note we will come to the end with this episode. And um Jana, Noah, I thank you so much for saying what you just said. And you know, I really hope that people's validate experiences are validated through us talking, through your story, through all the other stories that are on this series. And if you're listening to this, pl- please feel free to reach out to me to DM the podcast. And if you want to reach out to any of our guests, um, I can put you in contact with people as well. But if you also have been through something like this, if you guys were in attendance to a master's commission, not just Rockford, please reach out to us if you want to share your story, because there's so many people who are still hurting and still trying to heal. And, um, and I think that collectively we could all kind of do that together so thank you so much for joining us on my culty college and make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen